Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel together with John Tromley, and we are continuing our study through the Beatitudes, and today we'll be looking at the blessing of being pure in heart. All right, uh, we are back in our state-of-the-art studio, uh, <laughs> eagerly uh, waiting to engage the Word of God. And uh, John, we're going to be looking at the, the next Beatitude. We're almost at the end, actually. We only got two more after this one. Eight and, verses, uh, and it's taken us eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's very, very typical of the Word of God. We have so much that we could actually have spent eight weeks in just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to be looking at what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's a very interesting statement there. Not future, not will see, but shall see God, present mm. tense. Um, so let's begin with the, this idea of being pure in heart. Um, John, why don't you start us off with some of the thoughts you've had from this? So usually, you know, we always start with a, with a definition, and uh, but purity this time... Uh, I didn't get one. I didn't get a definition because, <laughs> you know, I thought you know, we all have this idea of what's pure, right? So Evian. even what's that? Evian water. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so yeah, so so I didn't think to hey, I, we need a definition of this because uh, again, I guess you know, we see Christ, right? So so we know what the definition of uh, what purity is. We're Christians after all, so we know what it is. We don't need a definition, but. Uh, uh, you start to look at this, and my thought right away is that you know, boy, Christ is getting really personal here. Mm. I mean, when he's when he's asking pure in heart, it almost goes to what are you really thinking, mm. right? You know, I think of when he uh, uh, he questions the Pharisees, and he says, you know, the the outside looks really nice, mm. but the inside is is where the right. problem is, right? And this one's hard, I, I think, anyway. I think this one is, you know, how do you go from having the thoughts that we have, just, you know, normally having, to always having pure thoughts? And so I was glad that I do the show with a pastor, right? Because all <laughs> pastors, all the time, have pure thoughts. And uh, so I was like, whew, I'm going to let you do the heavy lifting. Oh, brother, yes, because at <laughs> seminary, they gave us the shampoo for the soul. Is that what it is? <laughs> I knew there was a trick. <laughs> Um, actually, our listeners may not know something that you and I have been utilizing this whole time. Uh, though we have been, of course, going straight from Scripture, which everybody should do. Mm. We are blessed as some of the Adventists with um, some uh, guidance, some orientation. Mm. Mm. And there's a book written by Ellen White called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. And if you've never read that book, that whole book focuses on the Sermon on the Mount. Right. And... Uh, it adds more details from other parts of the Bible to give you a fuller view of this idea of what it means to be happy, which is what the Beatitudes are about. And there is a paragraph here, um, John, that I read because I had the same question. I think innately, uh, almost by reflex of human nature, when we read a statement such as, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, at least my initial reaction is so okay. I gotta get scrubbing. Right, right. I, I gotta start. You know, where do I start scrubbing? And it, this is uh, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, you know, can a leopard change his spots? Mm. 
you know, can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin? And of course, the question is no. And then God says, then how can you who are accustomed to doing evil be capable of doing good? Yeah, this verse is almost discouraging. Because again, when you look at it, you think, boy, when you think of your own heart, oh boy, right? Well, I'm going to read a discouraging statement from Uh-oh. this. It just book. keeps getting worse, huh? All right. <laughs> from this book called Thoughts of the Mount of Blessings, and then I'll read the good one. Okay, good. Right after that. <laughs> it says, uh, Only like can appreciate like. Unless you accept in your own life the principle of self sacrificing love, which is the principle of, his, of God's character, you cannot know God. Mm. Um, the, the next statement that I want to say is this. To hearts that have become have become purified through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all has been changed. These can know God. Mm. So, this uh, statement of "Blessed are the pure in heart." Part of the reaction Jesus wants is for people to recognize or begin to ask themselves, "Am I?" And I think when we ask that question. We exhibit, I think, a healthy level of distrust of ourselves. I mm-hmm. think if you're asking that question, you're on a right, on a good track. Exactly. Because right, right. there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, "The heart is deceitful exactly. above all things, you know, wicked, mm-hmm. desperately wicked, and deceitful." And whenever I would share that verse with people, I would ask the question: So, do you think the heart, it, the human heart, naturally is deceitful towards other people, or is it deceitful to its owner? Right. And a hundred percent of the time, people would say. It lies to me, doesn't it? Right. And so if your heart's telling you you're A-OK, that's a red flag. <laughs> right, right. But if in your heart you're starting to feel like a little bit of spiritual anxiety, like, man, why did they have to go there? Mm-hmm. Why? Maybe I should listen to another podcast. Right. Um, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. If, if this statement, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, brings a, a healthy level of discomfort, it is healthy because it creates an awareness of a need. Boy, what you're saying is uh, the complete opposite of what the world teaches right now, right? So this is such an important thing that you're bringing up because it, the world is telling us the exact opposite. The, the world's saying, follow your heart, right? <laughs> it, it just, you know, the heart wants what it wants. I hear that a lot now. And so but what, what, Christian, what the Bible teaches is that, yeah, you need to check that because uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, if we when we follow our heart, quote unquote, sounds so pretty, right? Hallmark does a great job of doing that, but it's well, think well, of all the problems you have because you've done that already. What, you know? what happens, like you know, is is the biblical worldview asks very simple questions. What will happen? What will the outcome be of following an impure heart? Mm. You can follow your heart all you want, right? But the, the question is never asked. What kind of a heart are you following? Mm, right. And and Jesus says here. Follow your heart once it's been purified. Right. Once the indwelling of the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is there, then you can follow your heart because you're no longer following the dictates of your fallen, broken, deceitful heart. Now you're following the heart that is being informed, guided, and influenced by the spirit of holiness, right. the spirit of righteousness. Boy, that's a big chunk that Hallmark's leaving out, man. <laughs> well, you know, to to great extent. It is very attractive for us, the theology of humanism. Mm-hmm. We don't call it that, but it is. it permeates, I believe, like 99% of all the movies, right. all the superhero movies. It's about the, the human capability of dealing with pro- problems. You know, I, I read scripts and background story of a film um, called The Martian, 
which is about a man, you know, landing in Mars and our ability to conquer space. And how do we conquer problems? Throughout that, uh, this uh, theology uh, person, this um, a Christian individual, was commenting how it's science. We can overcome every problem in our lives through science. Mm. And science is our cap capability of reasoning and learning and figuring out a way through genetic manipulation or through manipulation of the environment or developing new technologies that through those means we can make humanity better. And I think you said it um, in, or heard it somewhere else that those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat the same mistakes again. Right. It's interesting how we are echoing the same statements of the Industrial Revolution. Right, right. When the Industrial Revolution started taking place, people were like, this is the, the um, a, uh, what do you call that? A Pangea, the, the peaceful future. And everybody was talking about, you know, this great future because the Industrial Revolution has now taken place. Look, we have a train. You know, we have cars, we have electricity. Wow. And then world, the Great Depression mm -hmm. comes. And then World War I comes because of the Industrial Revolution. And now we're in the technology, artificial intelligence revolution. And we were saying the same exactly. things. Right. Humanity cannot create a pure heart. Mm -hmm. And the reason oh. we have World War One, World War II, Vietnam War, Korean War, all the wars is because of hearts that are impure. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the impurity stuff, right? What do we mean by impure? Right. You know, right. is it cholesterol, is it plaque? You know, what, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Um, the Bible, I think, presents to, and we will see this later on in as we progress through the Sermon of the Mount, pride. Right. How stinky is that to me? Mm -hmm. Right? Does it smell bad? Boy, yeah, yeah. Um, no. I don't think pride stinks for like the vast majority of humanity and maybe even Christians. You mentioned the Pharisees, right? Mm -hmm. How much bad odor did they feel pride carried with it? Jesus had to say, don't look for the big, the front seats in the synagogue. Don't, don't seek to sit in the, the, the choice places of influence. They thought they smelled like roses, right? Oh man, <laughs> Jesus says you smell like dead corpses. Right. And... I've, I've smelled that corpses with formaldehyde and even mm. with the formaldehyde, it's not a pleasant smell. You can only imagine, you know, actually just being open <laughs> up. Right. Uh, I've had to, well, I don't want to gross you out. Right. For our listeners. <laughs> I've, I've worked in hospitals too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't smell good inside. Right. We can perfume ourselves externally all we want, but um, our stomach, our intestines, all those things, it, there's, there's smells there. And when you were dead, and that that's what Jesus says, mm -hmm. you are that corpses mm. you know yeah. but you don't even smell it you don't smell pride jesus would say beware of the leaven of the pharisees which is hypocrisy mm -hmm. which is the very thing you mentioned they were so obsessed about the outside of the cup that they neglected completely the inside of the cup Hi hypocrisy is a pride manifesting itself by saying i'm obsessed with the externals at the expense of the internals and so that in itself is impurity. Right. That is something that is not just impurity, it is an impurity that I cannot remove. And it's so important that, you know, again, that we, we talk about these things because, you know, the world, the world sees these things from Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Those who yeah. have put on the, um, the title of Christian and they think, we think we're doing this great job of the outside looking clean, 
But if the inside is messed up, yeah. that outside is repulsive. Yes. And, and you know, a lot of times, um, it, this is one of those things that I say often is people reject Christianity sometimes for all the right reasons. Hmm. And we've all come across somebody who has said, I am pure. They're, they're giving you this this idea that they are pure in thought or pure in heart from their outside but you can tell it's obvious right that oh boy that doesn't feel right because if you do have a pure heart if you are pure in heart then the it's attractive christ attracted people yeah you know and it was interesting who he attracted right Mm -hmm. they were the ones that were not just dirty on the outside but society has labeled them on the outside prostitutes tax collectors they could i guess smell their their deadness mm, mm-hmm. but around jesus they could smell life exactly um, it's it's uh i think important what you said john as far as us christians even us here standing behind the mic right i'm going through the book of matthew for my personal devotions and you said you know tongue-in-cheek uh, i'm glad i'm with the pastor because <laughs> certainly he knows you know how to keep a clean heart there is a certain level of unspoken expectations in church leadership mm-hmm. you know we have deacons head deacon uh, elders, head elders, pastor, you know, conference presidents, etc. And I got to tell you, as a pastor, I struggle with transitioning from a, a world of nursing, where you have, you know, certified nurses assistants, then you have licensed practical nurses, RN, registered nurses, and then you have director of nursing departments, and you can go on, right, in the strata of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And the higher up you go, the more pride. Right, I, I boss you around. You better do what I tell you. I, 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 I'm in control here. But that's not how it works in the gospel. Right. And as a pastor, mm. and I don't think it only applies to nursing. I think it applies across the board, even outside the work area, the work scenario. But in church, Jesus brings an, a completely opposite perspective. And I've been praying and asking the Lord, you know, when Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And how does Jesus give us rest? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, or meek, which mm-hmm. we studied already, which we studied, right. in heart. Right. Jesus was attractive because he did not have a veneer, just a thin veneer of humility and gentleness. That's who he was inside. Right. And mm-hmm. that's God. Mm-hmm. And if that is not attractive to me, then for sure I, I don't have a pure heart. Right. If I find humility offensive, if if um, gentleness is not my default way of thinking, if you know slamming my fist and saying because I am this or because I am that, I am exhibiting impurity, mm-hmm. inner impurity that is coming out. And when you said that, right, I thought I love garlic. To the demise of my friends, I love <laughs> raw garlic, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if you ever had, or I'm sure you have eaten garlic, oh, yeah. you know, with, with pizza. If people know you've eaten it long after you're you're done eating it. Yes. And I remember uh, having to give Bible studies as a bachelor mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. And I forget. And I, they, they were feeding me these things, and they would offer me, "Hey, Ariel, we know you like uh, garlic. You want some? Yeah, you know." And so I would munch away on two or three uh, cloves of garlic. Oh, man, that was a good meal. Oh, man, I have a Bible study in 30 minutes. I'm going to brush my teeth and gargle. There you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know what? They could still tell. Oh, yeah. Because it was inside of me. Mm. No matter how much I brushed, no matter how much Listerine and, you know, what was the scope I would use with T25, whatever that <laughs> mysterious product is. Uh, whatever resin is. <laughs> um, it didn't matter what I did on the outside. I could not remove the odors of the things inside of me. Right. And pride eventually bubbles out. Mm -hmm. um, and what God is telling us is, you can't repress it. Right. And as a Christian, as a pseudo-Christian, it won't be that you just stink to high heaven in the church. You'll stink in the world. Everywhere, right. And when you stink in the world, people think it's fake. Mm -hmm. They're just as fake in the church as we are out here. They're in the same boat. There is no difference. But there is. Right. And Jesus wants Christians. I mean, we, we, we will um, read this. Uh, I'll just jump to the pure, the, the next one, the peacemakers. But actually, the peacemakers and the, the pure in heart are related. Mm -hmm. But right now, the emphasis that Jesus wanted to bring is, allow me to clean you. Do you so sense having, my need? Yes. So having said that, you know, how is that done? I mean, how is that done? Um, you know, I think of... You know, you just talked about it with garlic, and we've actually been hitting it all through this so far. It really, it, it makes me think of, um, uh, I think it's Hebrews 12. Let me, let me go over there real quick here. Uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. And how do you do that? Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our mm. faith. So that gives me this clue right now. You know, it's it's by beholding we are changed. And I believe that's, is that Second Corinthians? Yes. Okay, second, you know, by beholding we are. 3.18, I believe it is. Yes. Uh, actually, I have that marked too. Yep, 3.18. Yep, so by beholding we are changed. And it really makes me think, you know, I use this scenario a lot because it, it, to me it, it applies. I was at a, um, I was at a rec center one day and I saw this little, there was, and I, there was a little girl. She was like 11, 12, uh, the age of my own daughter right now. And around her, she was surrounded by these six boys because she was giving off this, this vibe of, of a, um, promiscuous woman mm, flirty yes she was being very flirty and and these guys of course she was attracting these guys and I remember sitting there or walking by them and I was and I thought you know she really has no idea what she's doing she beheld something and now she's you know she's imitating it mm. and it really made me think because you know, ultimately, you know, human beings, we are, we're all individuals. And I totally believe that we, we are all created individuals, but we also pick up things that make our character what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, I re you know, again, with her, she had picked that up somewhere because at 11 to 12 years old, she has no idea really what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And if she doesn't change the, the road she was going down, was something that she had created at 11. You know what I mean? You know, I think of my own self. I, I grew up worshiping rock stars, right? And and there's things that I I picked up that are part of my character. And now with Christ, now that I'm looking at Christ, they things have changed, but there are still those things that are there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, 
you know, when we ask, how do you get your heart pure? And then we read something like Hebrews where it says to the author and finisher of the race is Christ. Mm. It's our, you know, our faith in Christ. And we're asking about this pure in heart. It's not something that we can, to me, what I'm picking up here is, it's not something that we can create in ourselves because it becomes fake. That's right. It has to come from an outside source. It has to be miraculous. You know, you, you pointed this verse out, and I never saw that until you pointed it out, how it links up with this beatitude, because it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right. Oh, and wow. here it says, looking mm -hmm. unto Jesus. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit um, needs, you need to give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you Jesus. And, you know, it's not a, how, which comes first, the horse or the carriage. The Bible is pretty explicit what comes first. It's not feelings. Right. It's looking. Mm -hmm. And how does looking take place? Um, Jesus in, in John chapter 3, and then later on in the Gospel of John, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Right. And what was the message in the wilderness? Look and live. Right. So it's not a, well, how? There are things, I mean, how, how could it, you know, how did the, the, the Red Sea part? The Bible doesn't tell us how, it tells us God did it. Mm -hmm. So there are questions that God does not want us to invest energy and mental energy asking, but rather experience it. Right, right. You know, because the, the trying to figure out how the Holy Spirit works in upon the heart is a mystery. The Bible does not explicitly tell us the, the process by which uh, this happens. I mean, I thought about this as a pastor, you know, I, I, I grapple with questions from all over the place. And you like Lazarus, he was dead, mm. dead by four days. When Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, he was speaking to a corpse. When did Lazarus come to life? There has to have been a moment where he got hearing, and when he heard Lazarus come forth, oh, wow. he came out. Mm -hmm. But I cannot go and, and, and try to magnify that moment in which life all of a sudden was restored to Lazarus. All I know is that when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, he gave life to a corpse. Mm -hmm. And if the Bible tells me that if I open the Bible wanting to see God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit will open my eyes right. and I will see Jesus. And when I see Jesus, my, my faith will be revived. And it's not like, okay, I've looked at Jesus, now I can move on. Right. <laughs> the verse is looking onto. Right. The marathon is not, the race is the looking. Mm -hmm. The race, the marathon is keep your eyes fixed. Exactly. Because that's the source of purification. Amen. You know, it goes back to, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, the, the checklist, right? Mm -hmm. um, once it, we, we get discouraged because we've done it to ourselves. <laughs> We're the ones that have done the discouraging, right? We, uh, we think that, okay, I've got this, I got it conquered. I did this part. What's next? But like, but what, what I'm hearing you say is that, and, and I agree with you totally that, you know, you are going to have those ups and downs, but it's Christ that is the finisher. So again, when we're looking at ourselves and we're saying, well, I don't have a pure heart, you know, when we're, well, like you said earlier, you're on that track if you've realized that part. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about a, a, a chapter in the book of Psalms that we could call it the whirlpool psalm, the, the washer machine psalm. Mm. 
because of the continual allusions or references to wash me, cleanse me, clean me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Psalms 51, where uh, David is always asking God to do things, you know, forgive, uh, blot out, wash. Uh, I was brought forth in iniquity, purify me, make me, it doesn't say make me white as snow, but whiter. Mm. You know, how can you get whiter? Right, <laughs> right. Snow? But why is David asking to such proportions for this cleansing? Because for the first time in his life, he was revealed to the proportion of his impurity. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm asking God to forgive my sins, I'm, not, I'm asking God to do nothing for me. Because if I kneel down to pray, and I'm speaking literally, if I kneel down to pray and I say, God in heaven, please forgive my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. That is not a confession of anything. Right. Because that word sin needs to be qualified. When 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, plural, um, he is <laughs> faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There has to be some specificity, you know, in that book, Steps to Christ, there's a chapter called Confession. Right. And if I'm going to be made pure, it's not a general, you know, it's, Lord, I'm, uh, I have angry thoughts. I, I, I revert to angry thoughts. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm convinced violence and force solves problems. And I'm reading your word. And I'm seeing that I have to learn from Jesus, who is gentle and meek in heart. Right. Father, I, I don't have that. And then I can start praying like David. Very, he wasn't praying a very generic prayer. He had just murdered a, a wife's husband because he got a man's, a man's wife pregnant. Mm -hmm. And he tried to do this whole cover-up and made a huge mess. Right. David is praying about a specific thing in his life. Mm -hmm. So the purifying process, John has a level of discomfort to it absolutely it does yeah, yeah. because like you said here jesus is getting personal mm -hmm. he's not going to address the external stuff mm -hmm. he is going for the heart blessed are the pure in heart right and that statement right there puts all human effort out the door it brings a keen appeal to a need of supernatural intervention and it is a very simple intervention right by beholding Mm -hmm. Amen. And, you know, you bring out a great point with the prayer. Um, you know, this relationship with Christ is this ongoing thing that we we have to, um, you know, peel back the layers of, if you will. And, you know, Christ knows our sins, mm -hmm. right? He knows our sins. So the, the exercise, if you will, of being, uh, you know, the detailed prayer that you're talking about, it's not for Christ, that's for us. So we know where the <laughs> yes. problem's at, right? I mean, again, Christ knows the, the sin problem. Uh, I've talked about this before. We're always so, we act like he's going to be shocked. Christ isn't shocked. We're the ones that get shocked by it. Um, so again, that's, I just think that's a great point that you bring out. These, these, these exercises, if you will, that we do, they're not for God's sake. They are for our sake. Yeah, we, do, we don't smell our sin. Right. So the confession is actually saying, God, what's that smell? Right. And God says, it's you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what part of me, Lord? Um, and it's this or it's that. Um, the Sabbath School Quarterly for next week, actually, there's a, a for Wednesdays, talk, talks about con uh, forgiveness. And there's a section here about confession. It says forgiveness uh, this does not mean that our confession creates forgiveness in God's heart. 
Forgiveness was in his heart all the time. Confession instead enables us to receive God's forgiveness. Go. Yeah, yeah. Confession is vitally important, not because it changes God's attitude towards us, but confession changes our, our attitude towards him. There you go. Mm -hmm. So um, this idea of purity in heart will, will have an element, strong element of confession, because in order to purify, you need to know what you're being purified of right. and what has polluted my heart is maybe different. Yes, it's all sin, right? right? But sin comes in different flavors, shapes and sizes. So what God is going to cleanse you from will be basically uh, different in, in some elements than mine. Therefore, our confessions are not the same. To some degree, John, I think that there is a parallel, right? If I have a difficult time confessing to God who already knows my sin, and so I do the generic prayer, uh, it's the end of the day. I don't want to die and be lost, so I will say the magic words. Mm -hmm. God forgive my sins, amen. Mm -hmm. I'll take care of I can sleep in peace now. That's false. Right. But if that is my challenge with God, I'm afraid of what might get pointed out. I think that that transitions to how I ask for forgiveness from other human beings. I remember being at the, at the end of a week of prayer at a church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and it was about reconciliation. This little small church... Uh, had experienced some some hurts and some, you know, sparks had gone between these families. And the pastor made an appeal, you know, if you publicly have, you know, said things or done things against each other, um, you need to make that right publicly. And is there anyone here that wants to make things right? <laughs> Very awkward silence. Wow. And then one lady got up and she said, all right, all right. If I have done anything to hurt anyone, right now with humble heart, I ask that you please forgive me. Is that a confession? Uh, no. Because if I have done something, right? How could, would you say that to God? Lord, if, if I did something today, mm. that's pride speaking. Yeah. Pride has that if. Confession is, I own it. David in Psalms 51, not once to say, Lord, if I have done sins, if there's iniquity, please cleanse me. Um, there is no ifs in that area. Right. And if I know that I had done something, and everybody in the church knew <laughs> actually who the perpetrator was, um, that was not a confession. Right. And I saw it in our Oakwood kids two or three years ago. Something happened in the classroom. Um, I was invited in. Uh, Mrs. Dixon was the one uh, taking care of the kids. She invited me. You know, there was some scuffles that had taken place, verbal scuffles. And so I made that same appeal. I'm here because someone or some ones have said things. And the only thing to make things right is to confess and forgive. Who's willing to confess? And it was the same beginning. Someone got up because that was that awkward same silence. Someone mm -hmm. got up and said, well, if, if I said something wrong to anyone here that has hurt their feelings, I just want to say I'm sorry and quickly sat down. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. Actually, that's worse. <laughs> that's worse because look around you, there's people crying and you are saying if. Mm. If you haven't owned it, you haven't confessed it. And if you don't confess it, God cannot heal. Do you love these people? Do you love these people enough to be humble? Mm. Mm -hmm. And so the same kid got up and said, so-and-so, I'm sorry that I said this and this towards you. 
I'm sorry that it hurt you. And as that as that confession is coming out, John, the lip starts to quiver, the voice starts to break, and the tears start to flow because the Holy Spirit is purifying. Right. And hopefully we've had that experience personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing as we're wrapping up here, the thing that I don't want to get lost is that uh, you know, if you you leave this with the idea of okay, I really got to focus on my sins and get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want that. I don't want to get lost. The focus is on Jesus, on Christ, right? Yep. If we focus on our sin, we're gonna sin, right? But if we focus on Christ, then by beholding, mm-hmm. we you know we are changed. Um, yeah, it, the the pure in heart. So, uh, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you, you're you're putting the emphasis on purity comes from God. Mm-hmm. The, that blessing is a gift from the Lord. David asked, "Create in me a clean heart, O God." Right. Um, that that is a prayer that God is longing to hear from His children. Mm-hmm. And how often should God hear that prayer? Jesus seems to indicate daily. Mm. Daily, I should come to Him. With uh, well, maybe we can close with this, right? Okay. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalms one thirty nine, verses twenty three and twenty four. I'm not going to do the searching, like you said. This is not about you now. Start observing your heart. Psalms one thirty nine, twenty three and twenty four says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me." in the way of life, eternal mm-hmm. life. So that is that is what the invitation of purity of heart is. Mm-hmm. Allow me to search you. I will show you only what you can handle. And with that, I will show you hope and forgiveness so that as you are convicted and you yield, you will experience purity. And when you experience that purity, you will see me for who I really am. Amen. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... Uh... You know, David is such a great example of this. You know, David comes to God with, look, I know who I am. You know who I am. And ultimately, what I think what you get from David is, I, I have, the, the turning has to be from you. You know, the turning of my heart has to be from you. He's, he's not hiding. I think sometimes we try to hide our sin from God. He's not hiding. Genesis chapter 3. Right. Lease. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, that's where David's at. He he is exposed and he knows it, you know, and he's not worried about what what the neighbors think. He's worried about what God thinks. Well, his exposure came because a prophet said, you are the man. Right. And the fake leaves fell off and he realized, I may have, I thought maybe I, I was thought I had it all figured out. Else. Yeah. And maybe I was deceiving myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody, my servants certainly knew what I did with Bathsheba. Right. My general certainly knew. They read my command. They could see through it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only person being deceived through this whole time was me. But God has seen me. And he is sending this message in mercy. And maybe God is you know, sending providentially this podcast in mercy. Not to condemn and leave you hopeless. But rather by saying, reminding us. Whenever God points out our sickness is to heal it. Right. And if he's pointing out our impurity, is to cleanse it because he wants us to experience this blessedness of heart purity that we may see and understand him better. Amen. All right. Till next time on Oakwood Connect, this is Pastor Ariel and John Tromley. Continue studying on your own and we look forward to seeing you and worshiping you to get with you together at Oakwood and Monroe. Yes.